Hey again, everybody, and welcome to the Locked On Bama podcast. I'm Luke Robinson. He's Jimmy Stein, as always. Jimmy, how are you today? It's a wonderful Wednesday. It is a wonderful Wednesday, or so we're letting you know, because frankly, we're cutting this podcast at about 9.15 on Tuesday night, so I'm going to call this Locked On Bama After Dark. (laughs) Well, and and the fact that it's airing on Wednesday, and you're listening to us on Wednesday means, even though we recorded it the night before, not only are we football savants, we're a bit psychic. True. You know what you want to hear about on Wednesday, even on Tuesday. Well, the first thing I'm going to talk about, because it is locked on Bama after dark, is boobies out. Boobies. And <laughs> what I, it's, Good one. It's, yeah, I know. I thought that worked out. You know, Good look, it, locked on Bama, we can talk about our arch rival first. And the news broke like about six o'clock this, this evening that um, – Booby Whitlow for Auburn is out four to six weeks. And look, I've, I've been one to say I think Booby Whitlow is fine. He's, he's a nice SEC running back. He's fine. But he is not what I would call some incredible difference maker in comparison to some like a Trey Mason or, uh, you know, a Michael Dyer in 2010 when, in regards to Auburn. That being said, clearly – he is the most dependable running back they have, fumbles notwithstanding. Yeah, I, I, I'm not even really sure who their next best back is. I mean, that's... I looked it up, and Bo Nix is second in yards uh, for the season, and then it goes all the way to Cam Martin with like 170 yards for the season. Is it going to be Cam Martin? Is Cam Martin next? I think he's next, which is which is bad for them because look, he might have some speed, but he hadn't shown the ability to really hit a hole very well, or he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who can pick up a blitzer either. Oh, they signed that uh, cat from uh, that Alabama's really interested in, DJ Williams. Has he been any good? He has done very little. He's got about, I think, thirty-two yards on the year. Yikes. Um, yeah, he started out the season injured, I believe, and and they just hadn't depended on him. And it, you know what? If you to to be fair, if you put him in the backfield now, you've got a true freshman quarterback and a true freshman uh, starting tailback. That's that sounds unless like our front you know seven. they're superstars. Yeah, sounds like <laughs> exactly. Alabama front seven. Well, exactly. You know, exactly. I think it summed it up nicely. Booby Whitlow is not exactly uh, an, an All American or a first round pick or or some sort of freak great player. He's solid. He's decent. He's clearly an SEC back. He's a productive back uh, in that offense, but he's not great. But apparently he is almost by far the best option they have. So it's a big story. Kind of leads me to another good question. I mean, who is the best back in the SEC? I I, I would name two names, and, and neither one would be Whitlow, although he'd have to be on the short list based on production so far, but I don't think he's great. It's just not a great year for backs in the SEC, which is unusual because normally the SEC is just chock full of great backs. But I would say, Luke, the two best backs are DeAndre Swift at Georgia and Kylan Hill at Mississippi State. I think those are the the two best until Najee really gets it going, if he ever does. No, I'm right there with you. In fact, 
I think it's Hill in a landslide right now. Um, DeAndre Swift is very good. He will be the the probably the first SEC running back taken in the draft. But right. um, they just have he hasn't put the stats up this year because they do have a lot of other weapons. I mean, Georgia's got right. some good running backs back there. Um, they do. And they always have a stable, and they have a stable. Yeah, I'm just saying of all the backs in the SEC this year, if you had to take one, I'd take Swift, although I do realize Callen Hill may have the best numbers, but but he's probably the only back in the league that gets the ball about 30 times a week. You know. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, and when he played Auburn, his numbers were quite pedestrian. Now, he, he has 596 yards this year. And Booby Whitlow had 544, so he's second in the league. Now, some other teams have taken their week off, like in Arkansas, and and I think like Vanderbilt. Uh, has Georgia had their week off yet? I don't I don't recall. They haven't but, played um, six games. I think they must have because I don't think they've played six times. Yeah. So the, so he's got 460. Um, so you know it's um, I, again I think it's a big loss in the sense that. Uh, the next leading rusher on Auburn's team is Bo Nix with 191 yards. And I thought that um, I thought that I'm not seeing him being Cam Martin on the list of other players. I, I see Bo Nix. He's number 21 in the league. He's just behind Brian Robinson with 198 yards. But, Speaking uh, of yes. Brian Robinson, here are some stats that I do know. We talked about this today on Crimson Country Club on on subject here. And I think it's one of the more fascinating Alabama topics in terms of our production. But Brian Robinson and me and you have been fans of B Rob now for two years. I mean, we've been we've been looking forward to the B Rob show and his t- and his turn for for two years now. And now he's a junior. Now it's his turn. Or he's the number two back, which means he should get substantial carries. And he sort of has. He's clearly our number two back. Brian Robinson is after five games the 18th leading rusher among running backs. A couple quarterbacks have run for more yards than Brian, but among running backs alone, he's the 18th leading rusher in the SEC, which is ungood. That doesn't sound good to me. I know he's our second back, but that doesn't sound typical Bama good to me. But even more alarming is this. Of that group of 18, of those 18 guys that are – the most productive 18 backs in the SEC, B-Rob has the lowest yard per carry rate of any of them. And if you're saying, well, the Alabama offensive line hasn't been that great. Well, that's sort of true, but Najee Harris, who is something like eighth in the SEC in rushing or or higher, but put it this way, among the top six or – He's tenth. He's tenth. He's tenth. Of those, of, 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 of those 10, though, of the top 10 guys, Najee has the third highest yard per carry rate. So Najee, to sum it up, has clearly been better than, than B-Rob, clearly. And we would read, we love the message boards, me and Luke, are, we love the message boards, and all spring, all summer, I would say a consistent theme of smart, elecky Alabama fans. I'm just saying that because this segment has pro- proven them wrong. A smart, elecky bunch of Bama fans since spring have said, hey, y'all watch this. Brian Robinson's a better player than Najee Harris. Brian's better than Najee. How many yep. times did we read that this spring and summer 
on the message boards. And so far, hey, and they may prove to be right. The season is not even 50% over yet for Alabama. But so far, Najee, who has not been as great as we hoped, has still been much better than Brian Robinson. And I'll tell you what's scary about that, though, is that you know what Najee's longest run of the year is? 19 yards, I think. 20. 20. And you know what you know what B Rob's longest run of the year is? 10. 16 yards. God dang. I man. mean, that's that's pretty that's nutty just... when you I mean that's not that doesn't seem right. When you have the passing attack we have, you'd think that just I mean, somebody would just be able to fall through a, the longest run this year that any running backs had is obviously from uh from oh god, help me, Jimmy. Uh the running back from Ke- DC one. Keelan Robinson. Keelan Robinson. Yeah. I, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it was so easy for me to get forget a name like Robinson. Um <laughs> Uh, Keelan Robinson and Jerome Ford. Ford had yeah. a forty-yard run, didn't he? Yeah, he had a long, he had a long run. That long touchdown um, run against Duke. And so, yeah, so Robinson and, and Ford have had longer runs. Now it was not with the first teams. I think you know some backup guys were in because I know one of Cole Kubelik's uh, favorite stats because uh, he's been hyping up Alabama backup center Darian Dalcourt. Uh, Cole Kubelik loved to tell people that uh, Alabama's two longest runs of the season were when Dalcourt was in the game, you know, uh, the, the, the long Jerome Ford run and the long Keelan Robinson run. So uh, weird running back stats for Alabama. But, you know, I tweeted about this today, and it got over 100 likes. And and, and I think because it, it struck a, a nerve with, with, with people generally agreeing, I, I didn't really get any blowback for this, but I just pointed out that, it seems every year, Luke, we go into the year thinking, man, this this Alabama offensive line is going to be good or really good. And then we roll them out there in September, and we're like, wait a minute. This, these guys don't look so good. What What's wrong? And then by mid-October, we're much better. And, and in November and in, in the playoffs, we're, we've clearly become one of the better offensive lines in the country. It seems to be a annual thing. Hype the yeah. line get disappointed in the line, line gets better by end of the year. We're like, damn, our line was really good. <laughs> it's, it seems yeah. like we do this every year in the Saban era. It's really kind of strange the way that that seems to work out, and it seems to be trending in that direction again. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the line is going to start getting better. And, you know, it's one of those things with us specifically – under Nick Saban, we're never going to have a, a an all junior or all senior offensive line because the, those guys aren't going to stay around that long. You know, they're, right. they're they're going to go. They're going to go somewhere. They're going to go to the NFL or the XFL or you know overseas to do some Habitat for Humanity work. I mean, whatever. I mean, they're they're going to they're going to go pro doing something. Hell, we only got eight seniors on the whole damn roster. Eighty five players. I think only have eight seniors. Period. That's that's crazy talk, man. Because we're some three and done and we're some three and done and folks. Yeah, tell, There's a lot of tell three and done me about it. Um, Jimmy, you know what I want to tell you about? I hope you're going to tell me how I can find tickets to a big event. I'm going to do better than that. I'm going to tell you how you can make a memory that lasts a lifetime by letting the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Major League Baseball code, 
is postseason. Postseason for Major League Baseball. That's Vivid Seats. Go check out their app. Heck of a deal, that $100 deal. That $100 thing. Like if you just see a $100 bill blowing in the wind, who's not picking that up? Uh, maybe Montgomery Burns. <laughs> Do people do, 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 do people get our Simpsons references still? Is that a thing? <laughs> it is the longest running. Is it, oh, is it the longest running series ever, or is it the longest running series that's not sixty minutes? It's. I think it's the longest running that's not sixty minutes. It's it's up okay. there. I mean, they're in season thirty or thirty one by now. Um, Bart and- can't get out of like fourth grade. I mean, and but what kind of show has had? I mean, Saturday Night Live's up there, obviously, with, with guest appearances. But you know, this show has had everybody on it. And, and one of the better shows was when Homer was a football coach for Bart's Little League team. And remember, uh, Joe Namath, uh, his car broke down right by, uh, right by Bart's house. And I, I mean. You know, Joe Namath was, I mean, what a cool moment. I mean, you're just sitting around watching a syndicated show one day and you're like, that's Joe Namath. What the hell is happening here? It's, I admit, though, not, even though we both the, quote The Simpsons all the time on this show, we, we've been quoting The Simpsons on our podcast for years. But the fact is, I've not seen an episode of The Simpsons in a decade or more. Easily. I mean, now, I might watch the uh, Halloween episode because those are always classics. Yeah. Those are very. Creative. Oh, it's. Fun. I have no doubt it's still funny. Uh, I'm just saying that my my Simpson quotes are from basically Simpsons episodes in the 80s and early 90s, and I still remember yeah, them because they're that funny. I think it's later than that. It's it's probably seasons three through seven or eight. That's about. Yeah. You know th- that that was the height of it. That's when Conan O'Brien was was there. Um, the best one that I that I love all the time is when Homer was on the uh, nuclear power plant softball team and Montgomery Burns really wanted to win, so he hired a bunch of ringers, and one of them was Daryl Strawberry. And um, Homer went up and he said, I play left field. And he said, yeah. And uh, he said, Homer said, well, don't you play left field? He goes, yeah. And Homer said, are you better than me? And Daryl Strawberry said, well, I don't know you, but yes. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. That's, I mean, that's just good stuff. That is one um, of my all-time favorite episodes, too. I can. I, that, that's that's definitely on my short list of favorite episodes of all time. Speaking of favorites, how about what's your favorite? I won't give you um, a few things here. What's your? Tell me your favorite game with Alabama A and M, or your favorite moment from A and M, or your favorite favorite player or most hated player from from A&M just pick one of those things and roll with it uh off the top of my head and I wish I could just spit out the exact game situation but I remember playing against me now I, I think it was Manziel in 13 at College Station when he was pick sixed by Vinny Sinceri yeah. who weaved his way into the end zone, I think kind of flopped into the end zone. Uh, that's that's a play I remember. Uh, plus, it, that was kind of a revenge game for us, even though barely we barely get out with a win. I mean, I mean, and there's a lot of points in that game. We 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 certainly had our trouble with Johnny Manziel. A lot of people cite Luke that we changed offenses, that Nick Saban changed his offensive philosophy 
because of the difficulty we had defending Johnny Manziel. I, I don't believe that personally at all, but that's a that's a thing that's out there. And it is true. I don't know that any quarterback had the success uh, against Alabama like Manziel did in both games where he basically won the Heisman in 2012 by beating Alabama and Tuscaloosa. That's how he won the Heisman. And then the next season was actually more productive against Alabama in that 2013 loss than he was in the 2012 win. So those things stand out to me. It's easy to say the most hated player uh, is Manziel. I I think that's easy to say. I don't feel that way. I I, I don't hate Johnny Manziel. I I, I feel sorry for Johnny Manziel, actually. And I'm sure sure he'd rather that I hate him than feel sorry for him. I think I was a common human human emotion about that, but I, I just feel, I feel bad for Manziel because he obviously was one of the most talented quarterbacks in the history of the SEC, his talent. He was must watch TV for me, even when I didn't care for him much as a player, but I could you couldn't turn it off. I mean, you had to watch him. I mean, he was, he was a magician out there, but uh, it's just a fact. He, he was a drug addict, uh, a drug addict. Yeah. And, and, and it got out of control and it cost him, a pro career that, that may not have worked anyway, but we'll never know. We'll never know. And we'll, we'll never know. I could have been how good he could have been at the highest level. We don't know, but uh, I think it's more of a sad character than a hated character for myself. Uh, and, and I, I wish him the best. I hope that he's managed to get things uh, under control and he lives a productive life. And my, my hope for him is that, He's, he becomes that guy that every weekend in College Station come back and the fans love him and, and take pictures with him and get his autograph. And uh, I, I, hope, I hope he eventually becomes that guy in College Station. And I think he will be. And it's, it's, it's such a unique thing when you can be a, a guy like that, that you can have all these off-the-field problems. You can be sort of – love hated or hated loved um, and not have any championships to show for anything. Yet I think to a person, if you asked, all right, who's the best player in A&M history, everybody would probably point right to him. Now there were some double first name guys back in the thirties, forties and fifties that won some Heisman's and did some other things. But for the most part, Johnny Menzel is probably what Texas A&M is defined as right now. No more the wrecking crew, any of that stuff. Um, but I'm going to go back to 1988, the Hurricane Bowl. The Hurricane Bowl. And I loved, loved, loved that game. And it, the reason it's so nostalgic for me is it may have been on TV. It may have been on ESPN. It was going to be on ESPN, I know, when they when Curry decided not to take the team. Um, but you remember, we played them after we played Auburn. And that year, we got shut out by Auburn 10 to nothing, I think. Um and so we played them the next week, and I thought, like everybody else, Alabama was going to come out real flat. I was at Indian Springs in Birmingham, which is a boarding high school, and so I was in my room listening to the game, and um, after it was over, I, I I had snuck a TV. We couldn't have TVs in our room, but I had a little, like, a boom box with a TV on it, you know, and I snuck that in there, and I was able to watch the uh, Channel 6 uh, WBRC highlights of the game afterwards, and it, it was just so cool to me. Robert Stewart had a big game. Derek Thomas had a monster game. I sure did. He had, he had five he had, sacks. I was going to say five sacks. I think he did. I think he had five sacks. And by the way, if you don't think that's a lot, I mean, Alabama's barely got more than five sacks this season. 
Yeah, I mean, I wonder <laughs> how many people have had five sacks in a game since then. Like, it can't oh. be many. But, you know, see, then I don't think they kept, like, official NCAA stats, which has always been stupid to me. You know how, like, um, they say, well, so-and-so in the NBA averaged uh, – Oscar Robertson averaged a uh, – um, I shouldn't call triple him double. so-and-so. He's bigger than that. A triple-double. But, but – but we really didn't keep – what is Siri getting – my Siri just came into this thing. It was like Oscar Robinson. No. Um, I was like, how did I even get you? I wasn't talking to you. Uh, but uh, Oscar Robertson averaged a triple-double, but we really didn't keep up with him then. I was like, right. but he averaged it. So how do you not keep up with it? I mean, you just How was sacks not a thing? At what yeah. point in football was sacks not a thing? This should have been a thing from minute number one. It should have been a big thing. And Derek Thomas was to sacks like Babe Ruth was to home runs. I mean, in the sense that it's unfathomable, Derek Thomas's record with sacks, 27 in a season, 52 in his career. Those numbers sound totally made up. Like if I said, if I told you that Babe Ruth hit more home runs in a single season than, than other teams did, you would think I made it up, but no, that's actually true. Babe Ruth hit That's the equivalent in today's numbers loop of, of one player hitting 300 home runs because it, it would kind of take that to, you know, you probably at least have to hit something like 250 to, to out homer a whole team these days in Major League Baseball. But Babe Ruth did that. Well, Derek Thomas did these things with sacks that I'm sure modern uh, young people follow the game like you're lying that, that that's impossible you can't have 27 sacks in a season you can't have 52 sacks in a career you can't have five sacks in a game Derek Thomas did all that stuff I, I found some I was googling this while you were talking um just out of curiosity what's the NCAA record for stats and uh an article about a Louisiana Tech defensive end named Jalen Ferguson he set the NCAA record for most career sacks during his team's win over Hawaii in the Hawaii Bowl Saturday night. Ferguson entered the game with 42 and a half sacks for his career, one and a half sacks shy of former Arizona State star Terrell Suggs, who finished his career with 44. Ferguson finished the night with 2.5 sacks to move to 45, just ahead of Suggs. And then they have some other stuff. It says, of course, while Ferguson now holds the official NCAA record, it's important to note that the NCAA did not officially begin tracking sacks as a statistic until the 2000 season. The unofficial NCAA sack record is held by Alabama's Derek Thomas and Arizona's Teddy Bruschi. Both players created with 52 sacks. And my question is, if you weren't keeping up with it, how did you know they had 52? That's By the way, that's another sentence. When when Milhouse (laughs) was mad at Bart, he said, you've always been lying to me. Remember that time that you killed my goldfish and you lied to me and said I didn't have a goldfish? But why did I have the bowl, Bart? Why did I have the bowl? And I, I'm, I'm always every night again. I look at people and go, "Why did I have the bowl, Bart? How do, you, how do you know he had 52 if you're not keeping up with him? It's just easy. Just make 52 the record. It's that simple. We know it was 52. We know it was. Yeah, it is. That's just insane. But yeah, I, I heard tonight watching. Uh, so watching the CBS preview of the upcoming CBS Sports preview of the upcoming games this weekend, they mentioned some of like Alabama's like 107th in the nation in sacks. That's that's not that's not good. And I know he's banged up. I know he's banged up. But I've already been on Brian Robinson for for not producing. Uh, I'm not sure how fair it is, but uh, I'm disappointed in Terrell Lewis. 
I'm disappointed. Yes. I, I I was really expecting a sack a game, a sack and a half a game. I was expecting that. Maybe I'm the idiot for expecting it, but we need more production, Terrell, especially, I mean, I know he believes that I'm not taking a shot at him. I know he believes he's a first-round pick, and Team Terrell is all about being a first-round pick. Dude, you're not playing like it. You're not playing not like all. it. And, yet, and, yes, you will go to Indianapolis and, and light up the, the 40 time and all the things you'll test so well, but the, the, the tape won't lie. And they'll, and they'll look at that tape and they'll, then they'll, they'll, they'll look at those numbers you put in Indianapolis, but then they go back to the tape and they say, this is not showing up on tape. So Terrell, we need more production from Terrell. We need more production from B Rob. Here's another surprising name to hear. And again, maybe this is unfair and it's fine if you're listening to this and you're like, Boy, Jimmy's off his rocker tonight. He's, he's, he's ripping on our best players. But Jalen Waddle, let's make something happen, man. I mean, Devontae had his game. Ruggs went from who is Henry Ruggs to being in McShay and Kuyper's top 10 in the draft list. Judy is as proven as it gets, and he has put up good numbers. Jalen Waddle, not, you just hadn't caught enough balls, hadn't made enough plays. And then, Maybe it is a good week to pick on Jalen because he obviously gave Ole Miss, you know, in our last game, he handed them seven points by mishandling a punt, which is very unlike Jalen Waddle, who's shown some pretty good hands so far. And, and again, I'm not saying that the kid's gone backwards or regressing or – all I'm saying is, Jalen Waddle, I know you're better than this. I know you're better than this. And make a big play and remind everyone that we have a big four. Not a big three. We have a big four. And it's time to remind people that. So Terrell, Jalen, B-Rob, uh, Raekwon, who, who's playing well. Here's a guy who is He's playing, playing okay. well. Raekwon, you're playing well. Let's get more production. More production. I know you're getting double teamed. I know that especially playing alongside two freshmen. And, and, and I, I think a pat on the back to Raekwon for this leadership role that he's taken uh, that's been thrust upon him because of the injuries and playing with freshmen, but uh, it would be nice to get more production out of Raekwon. And, and, and while I'm on a rant of, of ripping on her, <laughs> and I'm not really ripping on anybody, I'm just kind of, kind of, you know, give them a little pep talk, but uh, we need better play out of two deep, two senior defensive backs, Shaq Carter and Jared Maiden. Y'all are seniors. You've played a lot of football. Let's get out there and make plays, make plays, make something happen. When you're playing star, when you're playing money, anything like that, you're in a nice position to make plays. So I just want to see more plays out of these dudes. Jimmy Lombardi Stein, everybody. (laughs) The pimp talk master. No, um, but to be fair to Waddle, I think everybody deserves the criticisms that you laid out. And I think Waddle does to some degree. He obviously had the the fumbled punt or the muff punt, I guess it was. But – he did have a punt return called back due to a penalty. He's had a couple of punt returns called back due to penalty. One that was just happened to be for a touchdown. He had a touchdown against Ole Miss called back for a penalty. He had a big play against Duke called back for a penalty. He's had some moments. Right now, Jalen Waddell is to plays being called back for penalties, as was Damian Harris to getting stopped at the one-yard line on every long run. <laughs> I've never seen happen. anybody get stopped at the one more than Damian Harris ever. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, 
Yeah, I'm probably being unfair to, to Jalen, probably being unfair. And, and I, I know to that during the rain, I'm not saying that he's regressed or taken a step back. I'm just saying that, you know, Devontae, Ruggs, Judy, they've had a lot of moments that I guess held up with no penalties. But yeah, but I, I, I'll, we, we have a big four, not a big three. So I agree. Just, and and I, I'm like you. I thought Waddle would be the second best receiver on the team. Or second. He may still be the second best receiver. Let's be fair about that, too. He just hadn't been the second most productive. I thought he would be. I thought, and and I mean, stupid old Luke thought Devontae Smith might be the one that gets, you know, left out in the shuffle. Yeah. And we've talked about that before. And obviously, we were way off <laughs> on that. Yeah. And one, one other thing, our most frequent personnel group, we're, we're still most frequently in 11 personnel means one back and one tight end that means there's only room for three receivers and it's usually the three juniors and and, and so waddle doesn't get as many snaps as judy Ruggs and Devonte. he does he's played he plays fewer snaps can't help that when we're in a three receiver set he's usually the one on the bench now i'm sure that has some degree you know with another thing is we we do that rpo slant so much to that inside guy and, you know, Devontae and Judy often often play that role. And, heck, we're, we're probably leaving this out, but and it's a joke, but maybe it's serious. Maybe he's, maybe he's the crappiest rock, paper, scissors player. <laughs> well, you know what? There's only rock, paper, scissors. Maybe that's where they got him. And, and Devontae's like, I got rock. And Henry's like, I got paper. And Jerry's like, I got scissors. And Judy's like, I mean, uh, Waddle's like, what have I got? And like, you – you have the box that keeps all the things in it. <laughs> You've got the teapot and Monopoly. <laughs> I mean, it really is. that. That is, he is, he's left with a cue as his last tile in Scrabble. That's what it is. I mean, there's just nowhere for him to go. Yeah. Well, so, I think, I think, you know, th- Devontae truly had a monster game against Ole Miss. I don't know that any of them will replicate that, but my feeling is Waddle will have, quote, his game at some point where he busts a punt return for a touchdown that's not called back and he catches, you know, seven balls for 180 yards. I mean, that, that, that it could so easy, we know, we know he's got it in him and, and it could be any game. So, again, I'm not ripping really on any of the kids. They're all contributing, they're all out there. We're five and zero. We're the number one team in the country. I just know we can get more from those dudes because we've seen I'm, it. I think this week is Waddle's week. I mean, you remember it came down to Alabama and A and M and his recruitment. He's Great from point. Texas. It makes a lot of sense, and I think it's it's just uh, it's point. time. I think he he brings a he, he either takes a punt back or he scores on a reception this week. So um, let's go for that. I'm with you, and I think it's very. Very possible. I still feel good about AM. I saw an Alabama tweet that says I'm very worried about the fact I'm not worried about Texas AM. Uh I, I sort of feel that way myself. Uh, as we talked about on the podcast that aired on Tuesday, uh that all summer long I, I was like, gosh, I think I think the game we're most likely to lose if we go eleven and one is the game at AM for all sorts of reasons. AM will be good. They've played us pretty tight. They played us really tight the last time we were there in College Station. Uh, we're going to have a young team. We're probably not be playing our best football until November. Uh, and and A and M is just really good. They got a dual threat quarterback who had 
threw for 200 against us last year and rushed for 100. So he's had some success against us. He won't be intimidated. So for all those reasons, I'm like, A&M is going to be our most losable game. But but then we see the way the season's played out, and it's not. I mean, LSU to me has clearly been a better football team than A&M. Auburn beat A&M in their place. Uh, A&M's our third. They're the third best opponent we're playing in the regular season. So uh, I, I feel very confident going into the game that, that Alabama is going to win. Um, I'm not convinced Alabama is going to blow them out. The spread is around 18. And, and I do think ultimately Alabama wins the game right around that spread number. Yeah. I, I like Alabama to win pretty comfortably, uh, maybe be a little bit tight early, but uh, again, they're not catching us at a very good time. I, we have this is our tough game of these next three games. Then we get another week off and we get LSU. I think, I think that everybody's going to come to town thinking pretty serious destruction. Alabama LSU should LSU beat Florida and Auburn, and I I believe they will. I think LSU will beat Florida, and they will beat Auburn. And if it's 8-0 Alabama versus 8-0 LSU, we will hear that game of the century stuff all over again. And I won't believe it's quite like 2011 because in 2011 when the teams were undefeated and, and we and it was labeled the game of the century, I think everyone that was – every analyst in college football believed these are the two best teams. These are the two best teams. This time, if it's Alabama and LSU, I think there will be other teams in the mix, and I don't think it will clearly be a situation where Alabama and LSU are clearly the two best teams. I think Ohio State, Oklahoma, Clemson, they may all also be undefeated saying, hey, don't, 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 don't leave us out. You know, so I, I don't think it'll get the, the literal game of the century treatment but it will be a big freaking deal if 8-0 Alabama is playing 8-0 LSU the first week of November. Yeah, I just looked it up because it, you you had me thinking, and I was going to see if Wisconsin and Ohio State play that same weekend. They actually played the weekend before. So, man, could you imagine Wisconsin, Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, if everybody's undefeated on the same day? My God, Gertie. But anyway, uh, we better uh, we better call it quits because we've got a, just a few more minutes left here uh, until our free time runs out. And you know, we ain't paying for nothing. Well, we don't have any uh, we don't have any money. We've spent it all on uh, on drugs. As I used to say in college all the time, I am temporarily financially embarrassed. <laughs> I've heard uh, you say that. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but so we will be back on Thursday. We will have our predictions. Just get them going early and uh, we'll get you primed for the weekend right here on Locked on Bama After Dark. Jimmy, roll tide. Roll tide. See everybody tomorrow and the next day and then the next day. <laughs> what a finish, man. What a what a <laughs> sign off. All right. Roll tide, buddy. Roll tide.